Welcome to Truth Pod, the podcast that proclaims the truth of God's Word without shame or apprehension, where the Bible is the last word on any subject. I'm Russell, your host. Welcome back to Truth Pod. Thank you for downloading this podcast. I really enjoy meeting people who've told me that they listen to my podcast. I like to listen to the feedback from them, so don't be afraid to give me feedback. I can use it. Fellowship is a good thing. We can learn a lot from each other. Your friends, no doubt, have skills that you do not possess, and vice versa. It's good to keep learning. We can teach each other many, many times uh, without even realizing we're teaching each other. <clears throat> I uh, just recently had fellowship with a friend of mine. I invited him over, and we had a bonfire and sat out and just talked, you know, for a few hours at night, and uh, it was just a good time of fellowship. We had prayer, and and we just talked about things, you know. Uh, it wasn't in any, it wasn't any scripted form or anything like that. It was just getting together and just talking and just, uh, you know, encouraging one another or listening to one another, and I think that's a biggie when it comes to friendship is uh, listening and uh, it's also a, a thing that I am working on learning to do is just listening and keep my mouth shut while someone else talks. If you know me, it's a difficult thing for me to do. Okay, anyway, the song, the song I've chosen this week is as old as dirt. Not really, but I can remember it being sung in church when I was just a little boy. And the truth it contains is so valuable to our Christian walk. Nothing but the blood. It says, What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Oh, no other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this I see, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my pardon, this my plea, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and peace, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is it. There's nothing that can wash away our sins. No matter how much I try to be a better person and stop doing that sin that gives me so much trouble, no matter how how many self-help books I read, I'm still guilty of my sin until I am washed in the blood of the Lamb. No matter, you know, if, if I have it in my mind, well, I've got to be good for so long before God forgives me. No, that's not true. The moment you repent of your sins, the moment you come to Jesus and you turn from that sin, he forgives you of that sin. When I am washed in his blood, not one spot, not one stain remains. I am totally cleansed from my sins. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy. 
Thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes away all our sins. Father, we may not fully appreciate it here in this life. We may not fully comprehend all that it's about. But Father, we accept it by faith that you through grace wash us in the blood of the Lamb to make us clean. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I believe it. I believe it, Father. I thank you for the blood of Jesus making me clean. Thank you, Father, for those who listen to to this podcast, Truth Pod. Father, I pray your blessings be upon them, that you administer to the hearts, and may this study have impact upon their lives to the glory of God. In Jesus' holy name, amen. The blood of Jesus is what the road to Golgotha is all about. Some people get upset about that. They call it a bloody gospel. Well, that's exactly what it is. Ephesians 1 and 7 in the English Standard Version says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Hebrews 9, 14 in the English Standard Version says this, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Listen, if if it was about reading the Bible, if you read 10 chapters a day, you'll go to heaven. How many would balk about that? But see, the problem is not everyone can read. The problem is your day gets busy and then what do you do? And you start to read and you only read one chapter and you fall asleep. Wake up, it's another day. Oh no, I've missed my... I like the idea of the blood of Christ. I like that better. I don't have to earn it. He's already did all the work. All I have to do is receive what he did for me. The blood of, the, of Christ is the only thing that can satisfy the holiness and justice of God. No one will enter into heaven without being covered in it. That's a fact. They don't might not like that thought. They'll just have to get over it. But the blood of Jesus has to cover us. It's like um, it's like the Lord told Moses that uh, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And he was talking about the death angel was going to strike all those, you know, who did not have the the blood applied to the doorpost of their houses in Egypt. But Moses was told to apply the lamb's blood to their doorpost. And when the angel, when I see the blood, he says, I will pass over you. This is the 36th study in the series Road to Golgotha. And as you may know, it's coming to an end. This road has been rough, filled with trials and suffering. We take it for granted, having read it hundreds of times, that on top of hearing it preached most of our lives. But for these people, it's happening in real time. They can't detach themselves from it, especially those who follow Jesus. Their hearts are breaking. They are wrestling with the same emotions you and I would be if we were watching our loved one die. 
the feelings of hopelessness has overwhelmed them. This is never a good place to be in, and it is no respecter person. It happens to the wealthy as well as to the poor. Last week, I talked about the fifth of the seven last words or statements of Christ on the cross. Starting with, uh, Father, forgive them, that was the first statement, for they know not what they do, Luke 22, or 23, 34. Um, the second statement, you shall be with me in paradise, talking to the penitent thief, Luke 23:43, And then the third statement, woman, behold your son, John 19, 26 and 27. Fourth statement, my God, my God, why? Have you forsaken me? His fifth statement from the cross, I thirst. John 19.38 Today, we will look at the final two statements that Jesus made when he was hanging on the cross. The sixth statement is, It is finished. John 19.30 And then the seventh statement is, Into your hands, I commit my spirit, Luke 23, 46. So let's look at those scriptures. John 19 and 30 in the New King James. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, remember he uh, had, had made the statement, I thirst. They took and they rushed and got a hyssop branch and put sour wine on it and, and reached it up to him on the cross for him to taste of the sour wine. So here it says, when he had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he, bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. It is finished. This was probably his loudest cry from the cross at the moment, because it had such a powerful meaning to it. Although in our day, it has lost a lot of that meaning. Strong's Dictionary Definition, to Leo, to end i.e. complete, execute, conclude, discharge a debt, accomplish, make an end, expire, fill up, finish, go over, pay, or perform. That's the definition of the word finished, teleo, the Greek. One, to bring to a close, to finish, to end, past, finish, to perform, execute, complete, fulfill, so that the thing done corresponds to what has been said, the order, command, etc., with special reference to the subject matter to carry out the contents of a command from Strong's Dictionary. I got this from SweetWaterNow.com, and I quote, That phrase is actually the translation to telestai in the original language of the Bible. And this rich and carefully chosen word is full of powerful meaning. Every Jewish person there present at the cross would have instantly recognized this word as the equivalent of a Hebrew phrase that was used in the Old Testament sacrificial system. Each year on the Jewish holiday called the Day of Atonement, the high priest would enter into the temple and make a special sacrifice for the sins of the people of Israel. As soon as the priest had killed the animal, he would emerge from the place of sacrifice and declare to the waiting crowd, It is finished, in Hebrew. 
In this sacrifice, all the sins of Israel were symbolically placed on the lamb that was killed and punished in their place. Yet the Bible teaches that this sacrificial system was never really complete or finished because the sacrifice of that lamb was imperfect and temporary. But when Jesus died on the cross, he became the perfect and final sacrifice for all sin. The book of Hebrews describes how Jesus was the ultimate Lamb of God, and by his sacrifice, the work of forgiveness was finally completed. So by saying, it is finished, Jesus was signaling to the Jewish world that there was no more need for sacrifices or temples because that his work brought ultimate fulfillment to what their sacrificial system foreshadowed. In New Testament times, when an employee had completed a day's work or finished a project, he would tell his boss to tell us die. That was to signal that whatever it was that he was assigned to do was now completed. Similarly, when an artist would complete a piece of art, he would have a moment of an unveiling where he would declare to Telestai. This too was to signal that his masterpiece was complete. No more touch-ups or adjustments are necessary. The work is done. When Jesus came to this world, he told us what his job was to provide salvation to a lost and broken world. So in his last words, Jesus was communicating that the work he came for was accomplished. The task of earning the salvation of the world was completed in his work on the cross. No more additions or adjustments were necessary. Salvation was completed. Unquote. Wow, isn't that amazing? That's amazing. I, I, I like that where it talks about how that um, how that the sacrifice when it was being offered when it was being offered on the on you know at for the day of atonement that the priest would sacrifice the lamb and then he would come out and say it is finished so the people there around the cross would hear Jesus now saying these very same words it is finished i i really i really do like that i think that's uh some good writing and I think there's some wonderful truths that you know wasn't relevant until you know afterwards until after Jesus had died that people start to put the pieces together this is what was meant by when the priest said it is finished and this is what Jesus meant when he said it is finished no more sacrifices needed no more little lambs being needed. No more work on behalf of man needed. Jesus took care of it all. There is nothing further to be done by you and I to have salvation. You know, I know I beat this sometimes. It sounds like I'm, you know, trying to beat a dead horse and I, I keep pushing it, the idea, and keep talking about it. Someday when I get on a different series, I won't talk about this so much, okay? So, Allow me now to do so. No more work is required for you and I. Nothing further is required of you and I to have salvation. I can't go to church enough 
to have salvation. I can't read the Bible enough to have salvation. I can't pray enough to have salvation. I can't witness and tell Jesus, uh, tell people about Jesus enough to have salvation. I cannot give in my tithe and offering enough to have salvation. There is nothing for me to do, for you and I to do, to have salvation. Nothing. Jesus plus anything equals nothing, okay? So if you try to add something to what Jesus did at the cross, you end up with nothing. It's Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Jesus plus nothing. No add-ons, no attachments, nothing else added to it. Only Jesus can save our souls. Only he because he was the one who died on Calvary. Jesus finished the work. He completed it. It was all ended with him. All those little lambs that were sacrificed. All those little lambs from Abel. Okay, from when the time Abel offered his sacrifice and God accepted it. Cain got upset because Abel, Abel's sacrifice was accepted, but... When Cain offered his fruit, that wasn't accepted because it was supposed to be a lamb sacrifice. All those little lambs from Genesis all the way to this moment in time where we're at the cross, all of them, it was all be, be completed right here in Jesus, in Jesus Christ. John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, takes away my sin, takes away your sin. You got a problem with sin? Come to Jesus. He knows how to take it away. He takes it away because he washes it in his blood. It is finished because of him. Our part, our part only is to have faith in what he did. You don't have to get good enough for God to forgive you. You don't have to do so many deeds. I know I've said some of this. You don't have to, okay? He's already accomplished it. It is finished. It is finished. Can you imagine what he felt like? What it felt like for him when he said it was finished? Well, just think about it. You've worked hard at your job all day long, okay? You've worked hard and it's time to end the day. The day is done and you got all your work done. What a feeling. It is finished. Here Jesus accomplished the greatest work ever that could be accomplished. Right here. Period. I do not feel it could be challenged by anything else. I believe Jesus accomplished the greatest work right here that could ever be accomplished. It is finished. Jesus Finish the work. Just trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Now I want to talk about his final statement on the cross. I've talked about his uh, next to the final, which is it is finished. And now I want to talk about his final statement. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Luke 23, 46 in the New King James says this, when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, 
he breathed his last. In other words, he died. The final words of a person usually carries a lot of meaning. So when someone is about to speak their last words, people will lean in close. Oftentimes they're, you know, they're around that person in the deathbed, you know, and and uh, they'll lean in close so they won't miss what's being said. It might be mama, it might be dad, it might be some brother or a rich uncle, you know, whoever. They lean in close. Here are some famous last words from people. I got this from the internet. You may or may not know these people. When Harriet Tubman was dying in 1913, she gathered her family around and, and they sang together. Her last words were, Swing low, sweet chariot. That's a good one. I like that. When Sir Isaac Newton died, he was humble. He said, I don't know what I may seem to be to the world, but as to myself, I seem to have been only like a boy playing on the seashore and diverting myself now and then in finding a smoother pebble or a prettier shell than the ordinary, whilst the great ocean of truth lay all undiscovered before me. Leonardo da Vinci <clears throat> was also overly modest, saying, I have offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. The Mona Lisa isn't good enough. As Benjamin Franklin lay dying at the age of 84, his daughter told him to change position in bed so he could breathe more easily. Franklin's last words were, a dying man can do nothing easy. Actor Michael Landon, best known for Little House on the Prairie and Highway to Heaven series, he died of cancer in 1991. His family gathered around him and, it, and his son said, it was time to move on. Landon said, you're right, it's time. I love you all. Now for you Packer fans, football coach Vince Lombardi, he died of cancer in 1970. As he died, Lombardi turned to his wife, Marie, and said, Happy anniversary. I love you. The words may not always come easy. I think a lot of it has to do with how you lived your life. I believe that if you have been a kind and loving person, people will more likely lean over you to hear your final words. But if you are hateful, mean-spirited, you'll probably find yourself all alone when you lay dying. The soul and spirit leave the body at physical death, James 2.26. Jesus' body, his body went to the tomb, and he went to paradise, Luke 23.43. Remember, he told the thief, this day, you will be with me in paradise. Here he surrendered his spirit. His work was finished. Sin had been defeated. Satan's head was bruised. Genesis 3, 15. All that was left, he breathed his last. He died. You know, people often argue about who killed Jesus. 
Was it the Jews? <clears throat> the Roman soldiers? The devil? Or you and I? Did you know that Jesus gave us the answer to that question? It don't even require an argument. Listen, John 10, 17 through 18. <clears throat> For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Did you catch those words? No one takes it from me. If he didn't want to die, they could have tried all they wanted to kill him without success. He could have hung there on the cross, you know, forever and not die because he was eternal. He's God and it was his choice. He laid down his life. It appeared that Jesus was executed. But from the divine point of view, he laid down his life willingly. When Jesus cried on the cross, it is finished, he then voluntarily yielded up his spirit to the Father. John 19 and 30. John 15 and 13 says this, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So, sounds easy, doesn't it? I know, it don't. There are very few people I would die for. That might make me sound like a bad person, but let me ask, who would you die for? It's easy to say, I would die for my wife, my children, my grandchildren, but not that drunk down the street. Not that LGBTQ plus person I saw in the crowd. See, these people we look at with distinction. We say, oh yeah, I would, I would die for my wife. Oh man, yeah. Hey, somebody come up right now with a gun, pointed it at her, I'd get right in front of her, you know. But what about that drunk? Jesus said, no greater love has this that a person would lay down a life for another one, for someone else. That's what made the death of Christ different, see? He died for those I just mentioned and all the rest of us with our problems. He died for the drunk. He died for the rapist. He died for the racist. He died for the gambler. He died for the millionaire. He died for the poor person. He died for the LGBTQ movement and how many other letters they want to add to it. He died for them. He died for all of us, every single one of us, you and I, with our problems, our hangups. Oh, we like to put on our makeup. We go outside, and I'm not talking about that that comes in these little canisters and all that stuff. I'm talking about the makeup that we put on ourselves to make ourselves look good to other people. And they think everything is well and good with that individual. And how great is their life? But listen, all of our lives have problems. All of our lives have struggles. And if you and I knew all of our interests 
uh, idiosyncrasies about each other, we would just we would have a different opinion. We would have a different opinion. But Jesus knows all of those idiosyncrasies, all of them. We can't hide them. We can't put them aside. I might, you know, look my best in front of you and make you think everything's all, you know, ship shape. But he knows. He knows. And he died for me. He died because he loved me. He breathed his last because he loved me. Because he loves you. That's what he did. No greater love has anyone than this. That a man would lay down his life for his friends. This is the greatest demonstration of love there is. The willingness of someone to lay down their, their life so that someone else may go free. That they may continue to live. The willingness to end whatever future they might have so someone else might have their future. That's what Jesus is doing here at the cross. Jesus did this for you and I who were bound in chains, owned by a different master, but he came, laid down his life so we could be free from our chains, so we could be his. That's what Jesus did. It said that he, his cry was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then it says he breathed his last. He died right there. His life ended at that very moment. He, it was almost like he exhaled. And when he exhaled, his life went out of him. And he, was, he had expired right there on the cross. A lot of tough things to take in. When you read about the cross, a lot of lot of tough things to understand, to comprehend. We wrestle with the thoughts, why me? What could he possibly see in me? What could he possibly want from me? What, you know, what can I do now with this knowledge that I have of how great love he had for me? What can I do? Our answer should be surrender. I will surrender to him and follow him to the best of my ability. I will learn of his ways and I will follow him the best I can. I will learn of his ways by reading his word. I will learn to have greater fellowship with him by prayer and communication with him. I will learn who he is and about him and and learn of fellowship with others like me by being in church with my brothers and sisters. I will learn to walk like Jesus. I give my life to him and surrender to him. No one could do it for you. It's all on you. The choice is yours. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will continue on the road to Golgotha. Let me end this podcast by asking you this question. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? If not, you can. He loves you and wants you to be a part of his family. The first thing for you to do is admit you're a sinner and you cannot save yourself. Second, believe that he died for you 
and ask him to forgive your sins. Third, thank him for saving you and commit to living the rest of your life for him. If you have any questions or prayer requests, just email me at truthpod at yahoo.com.